She's Anne Hathaway. Everything she touches is gold. Robocop. You got an alien cop? Huh? You got a ghost cop? Leon, I told you I don't have time. You got a vampire cop? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Style Guide. I'm Dave Morris, and with me from across the country is Stephen Ray Orr. How are you, Steve-O? I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying a beautiful sunny day over here in Ottawa. Yeah, good, man. It's, uh, it's beautiful sunny over here in Victoria as well. Well, fine. There's there's nothing beneficial in Ottawa then. <laughs> well, you're in Ottawa. That's beneficial. That's true. Uh, cool. So today we are talking about trilogies, which is, of course, movies that come in three, uh, sets of three. Uh, and uh, we talked about sequels a while back, and now we're going to expand that into trilogies. So, Steve-O, how do you feel about trilogies? Well, when first sitting down to think about trilogies, I, I, I went to the old classics and thought they're fantastic. I love trilogies. But then the more that I started to think about trilogies and how actually commonplace they are, uh, I found quite a few trilogies that either didn't stand up as a whole or individual parts weren't as good or it felt it felt like they were just uh continuing a story for the sake of continuing a story <laughs> yeah because it was a popular franchise and it seemed like oh people will come and see the next one so let's keep doing it yeah i agree uh, at first i was like oh there's there's not that many movie trilogies and then the more i thought about it yeah there are so many trilogies now it used to be kind of like a a like when I was a, I remember growing up and it was like, if there was three of a movie, man, that was a good movie. Yeah. And now every movie comes in three or four or five. Or six or seven or eight. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, so there's lots of trilogies out there. And I think we need to decide what constitutes a trilogy because there are some trilogies that are no longer trilogies but were trilogies for a really long time, uh, especially because they decide years later to make a fourth and then a fifth one. Uh, so I'm thinking of things like Die Hard, where Die Hard was a trilogy for a very long time, and then recently, or I guess in the la- not recently, but you know, recently in movie time, they decided to make two more, and so now it's no longer a trilogy. Or Indiana Jones, they decided to make a fourth one years later and ruined the fact that it was a trilogy by making it a terrible quadrology. And same with things like Lethal Weapon, even, or the fourth and fifth came out way later in the history of the films. So are we going to include those trilogies in our discussion? Well, I I want to be pretty strict about it in the sense that if we're talking about trilogies, it's one, two, three, and we don't need to include Jurassic World in there. We don't need to include Alien Resurrection in there. We don't need to include It's a Good Day to Die Hard in our discussion of trilogies, And I think that something like Die Hard or Lethal Weapon, there's a sense in which the later movies transform it from a trilogy into a series and do a disservice to the earlier movies. But do those movies still count as a trilogy? Does Lethal Weapon still count as a trilogy, even though it's not a trilogy? The original first three movies, do they count as a trilogy? I don't think so. No, and same with like Alien and Aliens and Alien 3 are not a trilogy because there is a fourth one that comes afterwards. So now it's a quadrology. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you can you can refer to the, the original trilogy of them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a way in which that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And same with Pirates of the Caribbean. It's been it's, it's no longer a trilogy anymore. And I'm more comfortable talking about something like Pirates of the Caribbean or Lethal Weapon, the original trilogy, uh, and just saying that they made some bad movies later, (laughs) as opposed to something like Terminator, where you have three movies that follow the same character, and then a fourth movie that just goes in a completely different direction. Sure. Where it stars Christian Bale and not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, which is weird. Um, okay, cool. So we're going to, uh, well, maybe allow, how about, how about we allow some, like, you know, dipping our toes and venturing into those non-trilogy movies in our discussion of trilogies uh, as to their importance or their, the beauty of them or the disgust of them. But we're going to try and stay strict when deciding what a trilogy is with only three. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, that seems I, fair. There's going to be some blurring of the lines when we talk about things like Mad Max, but definitely we'll 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 honor the idea of a trilogy as best we can. 
All right. That sounds fair to me. So where do we begin then? Where do we begin? I say we begin with the question that we always seem to begin these kind of podcasts with, which is, uh, are trilogies uh, good, bad? Do we like them? Do we not like them? What are our general thoughts on the idea of a three-movie series, a trilogy? I think the idea of a three-movie series is fine. I think that, you know, we, we get attached to characters and we like to see them in different situations and different settings, and we want to we wanna expand those stories. But it's very rarely the case that a set of characters or a story holds up over three movies. Yes, true. And there's also that phenomenon, phenomenon, phenomena, where you make one movie and it's really good and then they get signed on to make a two and a three at the same time. And so the two and three are almost continuing their own story arc between those last two of the trilogy, whereas the first one is a standalone movie that then they added on to. Right. A prime example would be would be the Matrix movies, right? So they made the Matrix and it was great. And then they signed on to do a two and a three. And the two and the three expand into this huge two-movie story arc, while the first one you could just watch and never see anymore and feel satisfied. As soon as you watch the second one, you have to watch the third one. It's almost like uh, as soon as they embark on that second one, there's sometimes you're signed on to do a sequel, other times you're signed on to make it into a trilogy. Right, as opposed to something like Pitch Black, which starts off as its own movie, and then they do Chronicles of Riddick, which is, again, its own independent movie that continues the story, but they never had any illusions that they were going to uh, necessarily get a third movie. And yeah. so they, they tried to tell a good self-contained story. Yeah, and Alien is very similar, where Alien was just a great movie. And then like years later, like eight years later, they made Aliens, I think. Maybe it wasn't that long, but it felt like that long. Uh, they made Aliens and continued the story from where it left off. But if you just watch the first one, you feel satisfied. And then the second one ends very similarly to the first one, getting into cryo and shipping off into space again and going to sleep. Uh, and it ends, uh, again, you could have stopped there. And then Alien 3, same thing, it ends, totally could have stopped there. And then they still kept going. I don't know why they kept going. But each of those are like self-contained movies. Although the sequels, like the, the rest of the series, you should have seen the ones before to really have the full benefit of the story. But it doesn't work the other way. If you watch just the first one, you're fine. First and second, you're fine. First, second, and third, you're fine. Unlike The Matrix, where you watch the first one, you're fine. You watch the first and the second, you have to watch the third now. So there are very few trilogies that I can think of where you could watch any of the episodes in the series and still be satisfied and understand what's going on. From, from the previous films? Yeah. Yeah, like you'll need to have seen the previous films to really enjoy the, the rest of the trilogy. And what I'm saying is that you don't always, not all trilogies are the same in the other direction, where if you've seen the first one, you have to now see the second one. A lot of them are, you see the first one, you're good. You don't have to watch any more of the rest of the series. But once you see the second, you have to keep going. Exceptions being some things like the Cornetto trilogy. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's a very different style of trilogy, which we should talk about in a second. It's true. But like, like, I just think there's two kinds of trilogies. There's the kinds that were made as a trilogy set. Once the second movie starts, they know they're making two and three, like The Matrix, like Back to the Future, like... Uh, the Star Wars prequels. The Star Wars prequels. Whereas others where they just made one and then they decided to make a sequel and then they decided to make another sequel and it ended up a trilogy like Die Hard or even Lethal Weapon, where Lethal Weapon, each of those movies could, the end of the movie could be the end of the series, but they decided to keep going. Right. Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know which one I like better, but I, I just think there's it's interesting that there's those two kinds of trilogies. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a good way of looking at it. But I, I, I do think that when they have the intention of telling the trilogy story, it, it allows the, the movies to be more cohesive. Sure, yeah, it allows the movies to be, uh, the story to be told in, in more elaborately, I guess, and take their time with it, and they don't have to rush it. Although sometimes I feel like when they do that, they commit to this super long story and then each individual movie ends up not being very good, like The Matrix. The Matrix sequels. Yeah, and it, it, it asks a lot of the watcher when you're, when you're sitting there watching the third movie to, to try and remember the details from prior movies in particular ways. Mm -hmm. 
the the hobbit uh movies suffered in a lot of ways but the battle of five armies it it's a movie that re requires you to have recently watched the the last two for most of it to make sense even yeah and that actually is a new a new maybe we'll call it new another phenomena of setting out to make a trilogy right from the get-go like star wars the original trilogy it was originally just star wars and it was just going to be that one movie and then they made it into a trilogy, which is why the first one ends with like a ceremony and it could very clearly be the ending. Uh, right. And then the sequel's like, no, the sequel ends with a cliffhanger that you have to go see the third now. Han gets frozen and taken away. Uh, whereas the prequels were made from the very beginning with the intention on being a trilogy. And same with the Lord of the Rings movies, same with The Hobbit. The intention was there from the start to be a trilogy. So all those movies end with cliffhangers. Yeah, and... I mean, it it makes particularly the second movie in them, but but the first and second they end unsatisfactory. Yeah, I remember actually when I saw the Lord of the Rings, the first Fellowship of the Ring in theaters, I was like, oh my god, it was like so long ago. And my girlfriend at the time watched it with us, and she hates violent movies, so the whole time she was just like covering her eyes, and she was just because there's so much violence and killing and blood and stuff. And then it ended with them, like, what, rowing away in a boat? Is that how it ends? I, I don't remember the, exactly the last scene. But it ends with them, like, let's go hunt some orc. And then they run off. And then it kind of ends. And she was like, what? I watched all of that, and that's how it ends? And she was so mad that she spent this whole time watching this film, and now she still has to go see another movie. You know, like, she was so pissed about it. Yeah, there's no payoff. Exactly, yeah. As opposed to A New Hope, where there's very clearly a payoff at the end of that movie. Yeah, they blow up a Death Star. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and we, we get a ceremony for our heroes, and we feel, we, we feel some release at the end of it. Yeah. Which is interesting, because how Strikes Back ends is very much not that. It's, uh, there's a lot of questions and, and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the thing is where when you're making a trilogy or once you've I think if you start with just one movie and then decide to turn it into a trilogy, I like that more. I've, de I've decided than setting out to make a trilogy right away, because what you do is you make the one movie. It's a great movie. I'm super. I love it because it ended with me loving it because it concluded and I was so excited. And then you make the sequel, which now I already love the first one. So, I, of course, I'm going to go see the sequel. And then if the sequel ends with a cliffhanger, now I have to go see the third one because I really want to see how this movie goes. Uh, so as long as, in that order, it kind of works. Whereas when you set out to make a trilogy, the first one ending on a cliffhanger, it's going to leave me very unsatisfied and I'm not going to love your movie as much. So I'm not as excited to go see the sequel. Yeah, we, we get invested and, and that investment causes us to want to go see it. And then we're already invested and we... We like the story and you've you've left enough mystery that we were interested in seeing what happens a third time. Yeah, like like uh, Back to the Future actually is a great example of this formula because it's the first movie. Uh, and this is the funny thing about Back to the Future is people think the first the ending of the first movie because it ends with that cliffhanger where Doc comes back and he's like, where we're going, we don't need roads and stuff and and <laughs> drives away into the future. That was a joke. Like that was them ending it just intentionally on this funny joke. And they've even stated, uh, Robert Zemeckis has even stated that if he knew they were going to make a sequel, he would not have ended it that way. Yeah. Um, because it meant that the sequel, they had to go into the future at the beginning, which was this weird, like, extra little mini story at the beginning. And then they had to find their way back to, into the past and stuff. Um, so it was this weird way to start the sequel. So it ended on that cliffhanger as a bit of a joke, you know. Uh, and you feel that when you watch it the first time that it was just like a super fun movie and what a great movie and it's totally concluded and you got the full payoff and then it ends with this funny joke about going into the future and you're still satisfied. Uh, and then they made the sequel that had to kind of repair that ending, which uh, I thought they did great. Some people don't like it, but whatever. And yeah, so that's that's like a perfect example of that formula. Yeah, and, and I'm okay with uh, a movie that ends with a feeling of finality that still leaves the world open. And I, I'm thinking here of Men in Black, how the end of Men in Black is we've resolved the story of the agent Will Smith and and we've seen his journey to becoming a serious Men in Black agent. And mm -hmm. we know that there are going to be tons of stories that happen in the universe after this, but they're not teasing us with them. They're not like, oh, this is the one we're going to tell next. We, we think you'll really like this one. 
they just leave the world wide open. Yeah, and now he's just a he's just a man in black. He's just a man in black, I guess. <laughs> it's the singular. I suppose so. Or like, you know, those endings where it's like the they've won and then you see like another monster's hand uh, around the corner. You know, like that's okay with me. That's fine. That's funny. Like a little, ooh, there's still a monster. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, or like the end of uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which uh, is not a trilogy, but they are remaking it. Um, where there's like the one of the monsters gets into the back of his truck, and you know, you know, it's in the back of his truck as he drives away. And they never made a sequel, but it was just kind of like a funny little ending. Yeah. And and I I think that's okay. It it just I for a first movie I want. A feeling of closure definitely yeah well it makes a movie more satisfying so whether it's a first movie or just a movie it's like i want some closure at the end so i feel like something has been complete uh and then when they make a sequel it it's great because it again it has uh if it has closure at the end oh great good and if they make another one oh great good i love those kind of movies uh so like those kind of movies to me are like the lethal weapons which ended up not being a trilogy because they but maybe it's because they made themselves that formula where every movie has closure at the end so it could end at any time, which means it could go on forever. Whereas a trilogy that finishes its story over two arcs, once that two arc story is over, you definitely feel like it's the end of the trilogy and they should stop making more of them. Well, uh, I, I look back on the Matrix movie and do you, the, the way that movie ends where he beats the agent and then it's him in the phone booth talking to presumably uh, other agents and saying that he's going to set everyone free. Yeah. I felt like that that was an end of the universe. Me too. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. It, it, it had no, no feeling that there's a story that they're going to be interested in telling us after this. Certainly not a matrix story with Neo. Yeah. I, to- I totally agree. That was just like a perfect closure ending to me. Uh, and then they decided, they, they, then I guess it made so much money they had to make sequels to it. And so they did, and that's where it all started to fall apart because it got too, too they, they, they took away his power that they gave him, you know, by making it that, oh, wait, he's not actually that powerful. Well, I mean, they, they make a character essentially a god. Once that happens, you have to spin off. You have to tell, a, you can tell other stories in the Matrix universe maybe, but you're, we don't want to see Neo. Who cares? He's the greatest whatever in all of the Matrix universe. Let's go see a band of people as they want to go back into the Matrix or something stupid. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, he won. He won. Yeah. Why are we, we going to continue this story? And he won so definitively that there was no question in my mind that the story was over. Yeah. As a po- sure. as a, I, And actually, that's somewhat similar to how... A New Hope ends, isn't it? Yeah, New Hope ends the same way. They won. They destroyed the Death Star. Although A New Hope does end with uh, A, Darth Vader still alive, and B, the Emperor still alive. So there's a lot left to tell of that story. So making the sequels makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, And Luke is still not a Jedi. You know, so there's lots to learn still in that that, uh, story. So I think that one was much more open to create sequels. And I'm sure George Lucas, when he made it, had ideas of sequels already. While he was making it. Certainly. Yeah. Another one of those sort of like a standalone movie story ones where it could end after any number, any one of the movies is Ocean's Eleven. Certainly. Or Ocean's Eleven, the first one, totally could be over. But the second one, great. They found a way to get uh, Benedict to get him his payback. Wonderful. Uh, that one ends, total closure. And then the third one again, they find a way to make another heist. Perfect. It ends with full closure. And if they wanted to, they could do another one. Because each movie is self-contained. Yeah, each movie has its own complete story arc. And it's made better, certainly, by knowing the prior story arcs. But they're so independent that you could just sit down and watch Ocean's 13 and go, yeah, this is a fun heist movie. Yeah, totally. And you're you're, you're certainly missing backstory, but you're not missing the story. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you sit down to watch Back to the Future 3 and you don't know Back to the Future 2 as well as I do... You're not really going to remember why Doc's in the Old West and stuff like that. You know, it's not going to be as great of a story. But Ocean's 13, you can totally just watch. You don't have to remember the other stories. As long as you remember the characters in any way, you're fine. Right. Which I think is a good way of bringing us to the Cornetto trilogy. Of course it is. Yeah, nice. 
that idea of trilogies that aren't even are only connected either thematically or by director genre or style or choice, you know, like, like the Cornetto trilogy or the red curtain trilogy, um, which was uh, strictly ballroom, the Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge, which are all very stylistically tied together, but they're not the same story in any way. Right. And there's a similar trilogy that I doubt you've seen. That's called the three colors trilogy. And it's a series of French films that it, it's similar in that sense where they're they're linked thematically. There might even actually be a couple characters, but they're they're not main characters. So yeah, or like the Once Upon a Time trilogy with Once Upon a Time in the West and Once Upon a Time in America, etc. Uh, so there's lots of those kind of thematic trilogies that are out there. I think Tarantino is even working on one, isn't he? Isn't he doing the, his like his like westerns? Does he need to make three of them? Even though they're not the same story, like Django Unchained and the Terrible Eight. And I think he has, I'm sure he has another one he wants to make, but, but you know, like, so there's lots of those kind of thematic trilogies out there. Uh, How do you feel about them? Well, I actually have to confess, I haven't seen Hot Fuzz. What? Oh, you're, yeah, it's okay. I I don't, I won't judge you. Um, But like, uh, yeah, it is a great film. It's a great film in that series of films. Uh, Is it better than Shaun of the Dead? mm, I would say... Oof, that's hard to answer. It's such a different movie. But I would say I prefer Shaun of the Dead because it was the first one and it was a lot. I remember when I first saw that movie, loving it so much. And then Hot Fuzz, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that was fun. You know, so I'm going to say Shaun of the Dead, in my opinion. Uh, but it is good and you should definitely watch it if you like their their sort of chemistry and that style of movie. But all of them. So like, here, here's where we get to this. Is Does that constitute a trilogy? Or is that still a trilogy in the way we're talking about trilogies? Well, I don't think it counts in strictly the way that we're talking about. It doesn't continue a story. It, it's very loosely linked together. Certainly the same actors are in there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, do we want to consider the Seth Rogen movies, Superbad, Pineapple Express, and This is the End? A trilogy? <laughs> uh, yeah, true. So I, I wouldn't um, consider those last three a trilogy, but I would consider the Cornetto series a trilogy. And I think the reason is because the they intentionally connected them thematically right uh so like the cornetto trilogy in each film he gets a cornetto right and like getting cornettos is a big part of the film and then in the world's end they make the little joke at the end where the cornetto flaps up on the the fence just to say like hey this is still part of the same trilogy and they're kind of telling us and letting us know it's part of the same trilogy um and also just the theme of what the films are all about and all three of those films are about sort of this uh uh, for lack of a better word, like evil conspiracy. Okay. You know, uh, and that's sort of like in Shaun of the Dead, it's the zombies, right? And everyone becomes zombies and it's them against everyone. In Hot Fuzz, spoiler alert, Steve-O, it is this, uh, this corrupt group of people uh, that run this town. And in uh, World's End, it's uh, the aliens, basically. So they kind of like each uh, have have looked at different, different sort of... Uh, uh, conspiracy or hidden secret enemy in a different way and there's a cornetto in them and it stars the same two guys yeah and and i would say that they do there are certainly connections and there are easter eggs between them that link them and there's certainly uh, a thematic arc through it all at the Mm -hmm. same time if you watched all three of those movies in any order, you wouldn't necessarily think that they were connected except by actors. Um, I don't know. I think uh, stylistically you would re- recognize the the connections. And actually, and this is another thing that I think makes it a trilogy, is that uh, in order the jokes build. The Like one of the, the, cla- the classic joke they use is the jumping over the fence joke. Right. Whereas in, in uh, so if you remember in Shaun of the Dead, he's like, what's the matter? You're never taking a shortcut. And then he tries to jump over the fence and the whole fence falls over. And then the world's end, they run and let, run into the fence and the, the, they knock the whole fence over. And then in in Hot Fuzz, he says the same line. What's the matter? Never taking a shortcut. And he jumps over all these fences so beautifully. And then Nick Frost runs and smashes right through the fence. Uh, and so like the fence joke and it builds from Shaun of the Dead to how how it happens in Hot Fuzz and then how it happens in The World's End. And so like that joke builds in that order. And so it almost 
because of that joke and their intention with it, it does build it into a trilogy in sequence that you should watch it in to really get those jokes. And same with the Cornetto joke at the end of World's End. In the first one, you want anything from the shop? Cornetto. Want anything from the shop? Cornetto. And in the Hot Fuzz, want anything from, uh, I was, yeah, want anything from the shop? He'd always go to the shop, they'd get a Cornetto. And then in, uh, in the World's End, they don't even say that, but at the end, a Cornetto flaps up. So it kind of like in sequence builds you to that final punchline. So it does, I think, build it into a trilogy in sequence. Okay. Okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah. It, I mean, you don't have to, though. So they are definitely standalone sequels. Yeah, certainly. And the, the story isn't carried over at all. It's only thematic connections and the style of how they're filmed, like that quick, shot, snappy shots of everything. Uh, that Edgar Wright style is definitely in there. Yeah. He, he certainly has a style there that, that is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I guess part of it for me is thinking about comedy trilogies. Is it, it's not something we often think about. There, there aren't. I mean, there are some comedy trilogies. The Naked Gun series, yeah, Austin <laughs> Powers. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Hangover movies actually ended up being a trilogy too. Oh nice. I haven't actually seen those, so I confess. The first Hangover movie is actually worth watching, and I hated the other two. So. Mm. Where they just they just repeat the same jokes and the same story without building on it sufficiently. Yeah. I mean, the Naked Gun trilogy is very similar. It doesn't build on the story in any way. It's just these standalone cop movies. Uh, yeah. But they are excellent. So, yeah, movies that are connected only thematically. I think that's, I think that's an interesting kind of trilogy. And some of them, I would say, are definitely trilogies. Uh, and others, I would say, eh, I guess it's a trilogy. Like the Red Curtain trilogy. I haven't seen uh, the first one, but... I don't know if I would consider Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge to be part of the same set of movies at all. Yeah, just stylistically. Yeah, and so connected just because it's the same director, that's like, I don't know, is E.T. and A.I. part of a trilogy or part of a set? Like, I don't think so, even though they're both Steven Spielberg and both kind of about science. Yeah, and I I think, I mean... If we do want to talk about it as a trilogy, I think the only way that we can is to call it a stylistic trilogy, and I don't, I don't really find that to be a particularly useful way of looking at it. Yeah, I think there needs to be a lot more than just the style of of direction, because then you know every movie by Quentin Tarantino is as part of a trilogy, <laughs> right? Which I don't think they are. No, no, they may take place in the same universe, but they're uh, they're not part of a trilogy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Cool. So um, I thought something that would be fun to do in this episode is talk about our favorite and least favorite trilogies and why. Because I think that would be, I'd like to hear what your favorite trilogy is and what your least favorite trilogy is. And I'd like to talk about mine. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Should we start negative or positive? Negative? I say negative. I yeah, say let, negative. yeah, let's start negative and, and go into the positive. So, okay, if, I'm, if I have to say my least favorite trilogy that isn't the Star Wars prequels... Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's let's not count the Star Wars prequels, but I think that's actually safe to say that's almost everyone's least favorite trilogy. Yeah, it uh and I'm not going to include Transformers. Why not? It's too easy. It's too easy to not like it. Yeah, it just they they weren't good movies. It mm. beyond the beyond the quality of it as a trilogy, the movies themselves were just terrible. Mhm. Okay, fair enough. Like I b- because for, for me if if I'm going to say something's a bad trilogy, there has to be something redeeming about it that that makes it worth watching, but at the same time, it fails in the trilogy sense. And yeah. the Transformers movies just fail as movies. Sure, yeah. And like, let's let's be honest, I haven't even seen the Transformers movies because they don't look like anything I want to watch. Uh, and so they're not even good enough to watch. So yeah. let alone, how do I even know if it's a good trilogy? Yeah. And yeah, and I think we should definitely uh judge these based on their trilogy aspect, not just the film aspect. So even though one of the films may be great, the trilogy itself could be a terrible trilogy as and it doesn't achieve that connection of the movies and tell the story over those those movies, you know? Yeah. As set as a set, they're bad. So continue, continue. So that leaves me sitting and saying probably the worst trilogy that I've ever seen is the Hobbit movies. The Hobbit movies? Yeah. yeah, Unexpected uh, Journey, Desolation of Smaug, Smaug, and Battle at Five Armies. Yeah, um, and why is that your least favorite movie, or least favorite trilogy? Because the story between episodes 
doesn't link up necessarily in ways that make sense. It's padded in order to get to a lengthy story. The films independently don't make sense, uh, particularly the third one, which is just a series of action sequences stacked upon each other. Mm-hmm. And my prob- biggest problem with it is there's a degree of promise in that first uh, episode in Unexpected Journey where it could be a good set of movies. It could almost be fun, but they they just never deliver on that, you know? Yeah. I enjoyed the stupid dwarf singing. I enjoyed the the fun following of Bilbo Baggins, but ultimately the movies don't connect together. Yeah, I I totally agree that it is a terrible trilogy, uh, even though it does have redeeming scenes within the trilogy. Uh, and to me, I think what makes it the worst trilogy for me is it is called The Hobbit, and the character that we are following, who is a hobbit, is in no way a central character to any of the events happening. <laughs> he is always just kind of there. Uh, and they make the dwarf guy, the head dwarf, what's his name? Uh, Oakenshield, Oakenshield. They make him the main character for most of it. They make Gandalf the main character for some of it. Uh, and Bilbo is sort of just, and, and they make the boatman uh, um, who shot the arrow at Smaug. They make him like a main character for a lot of it. And there are so many main characters. And there's that love story between the elf and the dwarf and all these main characters. Uh, by the way, love story between two characters who aren't main characters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and like all of these characters get given so much focus. And Bilbo, the character we want to watch, is like just never given focus. It drives me crazy. Which is too bad because Martin Freeman is so much fun when he does have a scene, when he does get to to lead that uh, those movies. He's just, he nails the character. Yeah, he's great. He was great. I was so excited for him to be Bilbo Baggins. And then they just managed to ruin that whole trilogy. Yeah. Oh, man. Terrible pacing, terrible storytelling, terrible characters. Yeah, I think uh, the only version of that that I can even watch now is the edited version. Uh, There's a few edits now you can find. But I found one that was someone who took all three movies and edited them into one two-hour and 45-minute movie or something like that. Uh, and it just cuts out everything that isn't following Bilbo's story. <laughs> you know, so like, it just cuts out all the added crap that, that was put into the film. Um, and it's better, but it's still not very good because there's just not enough focus put on Bilbo. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I could even watch one of those because I'm so fed up with that, that movie series. I was so angry at yeah. the rabbit pod racing scene. Yeah. In the first movie. Well, oh. Ah, okay. Um, that is a good pick. I would have picked that, actually. That was going to be my pick, was uh, The Hobbit. But you've picked The Hobbit, so I'm not going to pick The Hobbit, just to, okay. to make, make make for better discussion. And I'm going to say, uh, I, there's a lot that I could choose from, but I think the, the less controversial <laughs> of the three of the picks would be, and it's unfortunate because I love the first one so much, but it's The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first Matrix movie is such a great film. But as soon as they expanded it into a trilogy, it just stunk so much and made me so... Well, it didn't make me so angry. It didn't make me like Hobbit angry at how bad it was. But it made me just so unhappy with how they took this great film and managed to ruin it by taking away all the cool stuff from the first one and making it like, oh, yeah, yeah, anyone can fight agents now. Um, like, oh, yeah, Morpheus and Trinity can fight these not only agents, but even more super agents. Uh, and Neo can as well, but they can too. And it's like, what? why did you make everybody as awesome? Like, what, what happened here? What were you thinking? And even though there were redeeming moments in those films that were really great, like the, the French character, the... Uh, the, uh, the Morovian. The Morovian? Morovician? Morovician. I don't remember. Whatever. His name. Him. The French guy. He was great character. What a solid character. But that those films uh, together were just like such a bad story. And, you know, the third one, I, uh, I kind of blocked it out of my memory. I don't even remember what happens. I sat down and watched all three of them back to back probably a month or two ago. Really? Yeah, I told myself that I, I hated, I knew I hated the second and the third movies, and I I wasn't sure if that was just me relying on my old instincts or whether there was anything redeeming in them. 
and so I wanted to force myself to watch them with a more critical eye so that I could know whether or not I was just stuck in my initial feelings around it or whether they were actually bad movies. And? Terrible movies. (laughs) Yeah, okay, good. It's not just me either. It's not my (laughs) recollection of it. But they are terrible movies. Yeah, okay, good. For you. I think one of the biggest problems that the two of them have is that they were made in, what, a two-year period? I think so, yeah. Whereas the mate, like, they were, they were both filmed at the same time and I think written at the same time, but released six months apart. Mm-hmm. The original Matrix was the Wachowskis, like, that was a 15-year project for them. They had been slowly building those ideas into a really crystallized form. Mm -hmm. And Reloaded and Revolutions churned out those those ideas in a very quick and ultimately unsatisfying way. Yeah, very unrefined, too. Just very like, what? Why? What? This doesn't make any sense. Now it's become this crazy, weird fantasy world. And what made The Matrix so good is that it was a fantasy that was based in such a real world, like... It seemed so real, the real world, you know, like and uh, uh, and that that maybe is possible that, wow, maybe we are all living in a matrix. But then when you watch the second and third, you're like, oh, no, I'm not living in a matrix. I'm good. <laughs> I, think yeah, I'd, no. I think I'd recognize some of these crazy places in the world. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So that's me. That's my that's my least favorite uh, trilogy. Part of it too is it was written in nine or it was released in 1999, which that was kind of a, an interesting moment for technology and computers, and and it just fit into the zeitgeist so well. And then by the time we get to 2003 with the Reloaded, with Reloaded, we're kind of becoming a a technology culture in a different way. The internet means something very different than it did even five years prior, mm-hmm. and so the themes of the movie that they tried to carry over don't even work anymore because we're a different society. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you want to give it a charitable reading of why parts of it don't work. I give Matrix no charity. They they took a great film and ruined it by turning it into a trilogy. That's, uh, they get no sympathy from me. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, okay. So, so those are our worst favorites, The Hobbit and The Matrix. Interesting, interesting. Uh, and I think I everyone think, would agree with The Hobbit. Some people may argue about The Matrix. I, I don't know if many, many people would argue. I think the, the second and the third movies are pretty universally despised. That is true. I think people would argue just on the premise that I'm saying The Matrix is bad. I'm like, whoa, whoa, The Matrix isn't bad. And they're right. The first film is not bad. But the yeah. trilogy, and this is why it's important to think of it as a set of three, is not very good as a set of three. Right. Like, for example, I almost, instead of The Hobbit, I almost said RoboCop is my least favorite trilogy. RoboCop? Does it yeah. even count as a trilogy? There are three movies. Well, wasn't one of them the reboot RoboCop? No, man. There was a third. There was a there third was a RoboCop. Third? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I think I'm going to say RoboCop now, even though I haven't seen it, because <laughs> I'm sure it's a bad trilogy. It's, well, the, that's the thing. The first movie is a great, perfect, wonderful movie. And the second and third are just terrible. Yeah, I never even saw the third. I, and that's, I guess, due to the drop-off rate of trilogies. You watch, everyone watches the first one. Some people see the second. Some people see the third. Yeah. So anyway, I, I your reasoning for The Matrix, I totally agree with. Okay, good. Phew. All right. Favorite trilogies. Well, let, let's start with you. What's your favorite trilogy? Well, I have lots of trilogies that I enjoy very much that I would say are, are fantastic trilogies. And some of these aren't even trilogies anymore, so I can't even use them, you know, like... Uh, lethal Weapon? Like the like the Lethal Weapon trilogy. Like, I think that as a trilogy is fantastic. But really? there's even... so many of them that it's not. Hmm? Even the third one. Yeah, even, even the, the third, third one. one. Yeah, I enjoy the third one a lot, actually, which is, I know, surprising to lots of people. But it's when Rene Russo's introduced, you know, and it's kind of like now Riggs is getting too old for this shit which I think is great, and I think it's a wonderful conclusion to that trilogy. And then the fourth one, now they're just two old guys, and it's like, ugh, that's not as exciting. Um, but the third one is, is, I think, a perfect completion of that trilogy. But I'm not saying Lethal Weapon. Before you do this, I'm going to say, if you're, you're going to say Back to the Future is your favorite trilogy, yeah, we might want to save that for a future podcast and do an entire podcast on Back to the Future. Both of those are about to happen. 
I'm going to say Back to the Future is my favorite podcast, our favorite trilogy. I have to. I have to. I can't I can't deny that of myself. I can't lie and say it's not my favorite. Uh, and we'll talk about that as a full episode one day, I'm sure. But uh, it, it definitely, to me, is like a trilogy that fits so perfectly well together as a trilogy. And I know this is, I, I'm sure if if uh, people out there want to send us feedback, please do go ahead, go to the styleguide.ca and, and send us some feedback. But because the third one, the the Western, which is everyone's like, everyone thinks that's where it all fell apart. To me, I think that's where it all comes together beautifully. And it totally completes that trilogy. I agree with you completely. Actually, the third part is my favorite part of that trilogy. I know. And so many people are hating us right now who are listening. They're like, what? The Western? That's the worst one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but but to me, like the way that first movie was made is just it's such a I love I love Back to the Future, the original because it is such a perfectly entwined story. Everything, not, no line is wasted. Even like when they're watching TV at the beginning, like everything the news reporter is saying is perfectly setting up everything else in that film. And then when you watch it as a trilogy, you see that same sort of idea of it all perfectly setting itself up, build throughout the entire trilogy. Uh, and I, I think it's just beautiful. And that, and it to me, the, the moment that sums up how great that trilogy is, is in the, in the uh, third one, when Marty realizes that his name could be on the tombstone and he might be dead, and he puts his hand on his head, he says, Great Scott. And then Doc <laughs> leans forward and says, I know, this is heavy. And they've completely reversed roles, and I think it's just a beautifully well-put-together trilogy. I I have no disagreement there. I That is a... It's a perfect trilogy in in every way. Yeah. Each of the movies is excellent uh, as a whole. It's excellent. The themes continue and tra- transform throughout. Tells new and interesting stories. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's wonderful. Uh, and uh, I think we definitely are going to do an episode where we just talk Back to the Future in the future, or in the past. Just just the future. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, how about you, Ziva? What's your favorite trilogy? Well, I. I love Back to the Future. I love it. Everybody it's act- But it's actually not my favorite trilogy. I am not surprised by this. My favorite trilogy is Toy Story. Oh, that that is a good pick. Yeah? Yeah. You know, I was afraid you were going to say Batman Begins, and I was like, I was going to have to, to shoot you down on that. But I think Toy Story, I think that's a great trilogy. Okay, continue. Why is it your favorite trilogy? Well, for starters, because it... it it follows that the first movie is an independent movie idea, which mm-hmm, yeah. which which is important for me. It it tells a story that is interesting for anyone who's watching it. it it's a great kids movie, certainly, but mm-hmm. it's a great movie for adults too. There and are that's, and that's a Pixar sort of staple nowadays. Is that they make movies that adults can watch. Certainly, certainly. Mm-hmm. And so it's a movie that I watched at a young age and loved and a movie that I watched in the last couple of years and thought I still continue to love it for the same reasons and more. Um, and then the second, the second uh, installment of that trilogy tells a completely different story. Mm-hmm. It, it continues the characters and continues some of the themes of growing up, but at the same time we go in a di- direction that was unexpected. Mm-hmm. And and we meet characters that are unexpected, and it's got this kind of Western feel, and it, it's just a lot of fun. And then the third movie is one of my top five movies of all time. Oh, yeah, of course. It's a beautiful film. Yeah, oh, tearjerker. Yeah, and it it concludes a bunch of story arcs that we didn't even know were story arcs in the last two movies. Mm-hmm. It. It ends the theme of Andy's growing up and the passing on uh, of these toys to uh, a new a new kid that gives us a lot of closure. And mm-hmm. yeah, agreed. I am agreeing. I'm nodding my head in agreement with you right now. Yeah, i I don't think that there's a better a better set of three movies where each movie is just so beautiful and different and yet all the same. And it's almost like if you looked at Toy Story, you would say that that is Andy's era, you know, of Toy Story, where Andy is just like the backdrop of all of that. And so when he hands over the toys at the end, spoiler alert, uh, it clearly signifies the end of that trilogy. 
And even if they did want to make another Toy Story with whatever the girl's name is, does she have a name? Probably. I don't know. Whatever her name is, uh, and started a whole new Toy Story movie, it would be the beginning of a new trilogy. Like, that is how well they ended that trilogy, with, like, this is the end of these three films. Very much in the same way that Back to the Future ends, actually. In that we're, we could see a second trilogy where we follow a new set of adventures with Doc and Claire and their kids. But we don't have to in any way. And the DeLorean being destroyed is like a clear signifier of the end of this set of three movies. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and like they did actually continue Back to the Future in a cartoon series where it was the Brown family and you followed Doc Brown and his kids and stuff. And they had a train they would go through time in. Uh, I don't think it lasted very long. And I'm pretty sure it was terrible. I didn't even know that that had happened. And that hurts me a little bit. But at the same time, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't feel too hurt by it. Um, well, it it doesn't ruin Back to the Future. Nothing can. Nothing can. And yeah, and I think that's a a huge part of a trilogy that a really good trilogy is that when it's over, it's over. Yeah, it it doesn't leave us wanting more or maybe we we want more or believe there can be more, but we feel we feel concluded. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think it's uh, I think those are I think that Toy Story is a great example of a wonderful trilogy. I was afraid you were going to say Batman and the Batman Begins trilogy, which uh, to me is is was almost my worst trilogy, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure is making a lot of people upset who are listening. But to me, I, I tried watching that trilogy again before this podcast, and I got through Batman Begins, no problem. But The Dark Knight, I didn't finish. And why didn't you finish it? Because I was just like, I can't watch this anymore. And I just really do not enjoy that movie. Uh, and I tried. <clears throat> I was like, I'm going to try. I watched Batman Begins remembering that I didn't like it. And by the end of Batman Begins, I was like, oh, you know what? This is actually an okay movie. I'm, I just don't really like his Batman voice, and that kind of turns me off a little bit. But the rest of the film and the sort of structure of the story and everything works really well. And the whole Ra's al Ghul stuff is really cool. And I'm like, okay, it's a cool Batman movie. Uh, but when I was watching The Dark Knight, I was just like, oh, my God, I can't watch this anymore. Main reasons being... Are you, are you, am I making you upset right now? You're not making me upset. I just, okay. The Dark Knight is my favorite of those three movies. So the two things that make me, the two main reasons that I find that movie so not enjoyable is one, Batman is only awesome because he just keeps going to Fox and Fox just gives him stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing Batman does in that movie that is good. Like he doesn't use his like awesome smarts or detective skills in any really impressive way, except for going to Fox and saying, uh, how do I get back into an airplane? And then Fox is like, well, I have magic and gives him magic. And that's not what it feels like to me. What about when he gets fingerprints off a bullet? But yes, you're right. Um, so uh, and then the the thing at the end, which I didn't watch this time, but the, the with the glasses and the cell phones and the being able to see everything, I'm like, oh, my God. Fox is like, hey, here's some magic. And then you know what? At the end of the movie, we have to destroy it because we obviously can't keep this around. Otherwise, we can't make another movie <laughs> because now Batman's too awesome. Um, so like that part of it is part of what makes me not really care for that story. Uh, and then the other part of it is the Joker is like the uh, opposite end of that where the Joker never, <laughs> everything he does is just like, like, how did he manage to get away with that? That's impossible. How did he do that? Like, how did in broad daylight a uh, body hanging dressed like Batman land on the mayor's window and this dude dressed as a clown? Nobody saw anything and he just gets away with it all. And that whole movie, I just feel like the Joker is just like disappearing and reappearing all around town like he can teleport magically and no one seems to recognize him. Uh, and I'm like, that just, it just, it just, they were going for it. Like the rest of the films have this like, hyper realism feel to them and then this is just like no we're just going to ignore the fact that all reality we're just going to throw away and that's what bothers me not that it's unreal but that they're trying to commit to this hyper realism and it doesn't work yeah i mean there are some major problems with the second movie in i mean if you really sit down and try and make sense of the plot it also doesn't make sense like yeah. all of the joker's plans are insane and not insane in the way that oh the joker's plans are always fun and crazy but in the sense that it requires 
knowledge of events that are going to happen in the future. Yeah, exactly. And exactly what Batman's going to do. And there are so many things that could go wrong. You know, like there's so like little tiny things. What if they put them in a different cell? Done. Okay, there goes your whole plan. Yeah. Um, and it's just like based in so much chance. And then the whole idea of him being about chaos and stuff like that is like, but he's so in control of everything all the time. It just it there's just too many things that don't quite fit together. And if they just did one of them and then committed the rest of the movie to having that same feel to it, all right, I'm in. I'm in. But but it was just they were contradictory and that's what makes me watch that movie and go, Oh my god, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah, I I think that those movies are a good example of movies that you can go to and shut your brain off. Or if you can shut your brain off, you can just in, you can enjoy you can enjoy the explosions and the fighting. Yeah. And then the third one doesn't get any better. You know, the third one isn't that much worse than than the second movie. It makes more sense. As a narrative, yes, yeah. it makes more sense. And as and Bane as a character is awesome. Like yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing with these Batman movies, which is where like all of the characterizations people are so in love with, and I I agree with them. Like uh, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker is so frightening and so scary and so dark and so cool that it makes you. It's very easy to say, "Wow, it's great," just because of that. But as soon as you go like, okay, Heath Ledger did a great job, but this movie and this trilogy as a set of movies that fit together is not really very good. And Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, she was great. She's Anne Hathaway. Everything she touches is gold. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, uh, but the, like the movie, not fantastic. And Jim Gordon, uh, such a great portrayal of of commissioner gordon but again like the movie doesn't quite work because he does a good jim gordon like yeah so that's that's my beef with those movies and i'm glad you didn't choose that as your favorite trilogy (laughs) but we still went into it (laughs) certainly certainly well i'm it's an important trilogy in any sort of discussion yeah it is a modern day people will almost consider it a modern day masterpiece no no people don't actually do that dave they don't okay good i'm glad they don't I mean, do they? I mean, I know it made a lot of money, but that doesn't. Yeah, I just just have. I know people who think it's such a a fantastic trilogy, and I'm like, nope, I completely disagree. I mean, in in their defense, Michael Caine is awesome. Again, Michael Caine does such a perfect Alfred, you know, and uh, and um, what with Christian Bale does a fine Batman. Although I think his. Batman voice is the worst thing in all of those movies, uh, which is unfortunate because you think you'd think Batman is supposed to be the best part of those movies, considering they're named after him. But uh, his Batman voice is the worst Batman voice in the history of Batman voices. I actually really enjoy Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne. Uh, he does a fine Bruce Wayne. Yeah, his cocky little smile he's got and stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's a very fun take on the character, but as the Batman is pretty lacking. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and same with the the guy who plays Two Face. Great Two Face, man. Good work. That was wonderful. Yeah. And like Razal Ghul. Oh my God, so cool. And like, uh, and it's amazing that a movie with so many great characterizations can still be non enjoyable to me. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I can watch it and just be like, ugh, I don't care. It well, it tells you how important a story that makes sense is. Yeah, it's true, and it tells you a little bit about me and how I can't not see the story. You know, well, I can't just turn off my brain. Like I can't, and I can honestly tell you that Furious Seven had a better story than The Dark Knight. I'm not going to deny that because I haven't seen Furious Seven, but the Furious movies are their narratives are solid. They're solid. They're maybe they're a little like predictable and exactly sure. what you'd expect, but solid narratives. Yeah. Well told, and the logic makes sense. Even though they destroy real life logic, they commit to a logic, and it stays consistent through the film. Like they always just happen to have cars everywhere they go that match the color that fits with their style. You know, like, uh, and like they the things that they can do are completely impossible. But it's a fantasy world for people who love cars. Uh, and Batman, the logic with it is where it doesn't work for me and bothers me. And I can't not see it. Well, you're going to get death threats now, just so you know. I can't wait. The styleguide.ca. There'll be a contact form. Go to it. Send me your hate. <laughs> okay, good. Um, Excellent. 
Well, I think that is uh, maybe not the best way to end on trilogies. So let's say a final last word about trilogies and uh, the good things and bad things about them. And well, before- I think, oh yeah, go before. It's in, uh, it was interesting. I expected to talk about Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park. And, Would you like to? Well, no. <laughs> then let's not. As it like as it, I mean, one one of the thing I I was expecting you to talk about Indiana Jones and and talk about its merits and truthfully, I can't rewatch them. No, no, you don't need to talk about the merits of Indiana Jones. The thing, the the Raiders of the Lost Ark is a fantastic film. It is. It is so good. And it deserves to be to be known as a fantastic film throughout the rest of history. Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, fun movies, yeah. you know, but not not like worthy of being recognized as the greatest of films. Yeah. Um, and Crystal Skull doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> and Jurassic Park, same thing. The first Jurassic Park, what a ma- amazing film! What a brilliant! What a uh, I remember watching that as a kid, and I was blown away. Uh, whereas the sequels and the you know the the trilogy of it, not that great. Can leave it, you know, take it or leave it. Doesn't really doesn't really blow my mind, my hair back, you know. Yeah, uh, they're not terrible, but they're not they're not worthy of going down in history as the greatest of films. Whereas Jurassic Park might, and same with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, I I would say that those those two films individually represent. Uh, not the pinnacle necessarily, but definitely getting close to the pinnacle of cinema. Oh, sure, yeah, we can we can say that. Now, let's say that. Let's let's be hyperbolic about it. They are the best movies ever made. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. But that's the thing. I don't want to say they're the best movies, but I, I, as far as iconic pieces of cinema of their time, I the Jurassic Park. I mean, that's a that's an early '90s movie through and through. And I don't know if there's there's a movie that kind of better represents that time period. Oh, yeah. And when you watch it, it is still good. It is still glorious. And the dinosaurs still look real. Well, that, that's, a, that's a whole different thing. The, the, the move from animatronics and puppets to CGI. But Yeah, they look... Oh, man, Jurassic Park dinosaurs look so good. And like, except for the fact that I think dinosaurs have feathers, but... That's a just a newer discovery and still probably up for lots of debate. <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah. Um, so final words on trilogies. Final words on trilogies. Yeah, I would say I think, uh, uh, and I grew up, I was a kid in the 80s uh, where there weren't very many trilogies back then. And so the great trilogies were Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future were sort of like, to me, like the big three trilogies. Um, and uh, And so like, I grew up watching trilogies and now they're abundant and they're all over the place. And in fact, they go way beyond trilogies and into full series. Uh, and as we talked about in our sequels uh, podcast about the the merits and beauty of being able to tell a story over a longer period of time, uh, I think that trilogies have a wonderful place in in our culture today. And I think actually they're even more important than a series because they conclude uh, beautifully, like the end of Toy Story. That ending is a great ending for the film, but it is an even better ending for all three films. Uh, and same yeah. with, uh, like, um, and even Back to the Future, the ending, as the ending of that film, is not necessarily the best ending. Like when Doc says, your future is whatever you want it to be and flies away on a train, I'm pretty sure if you're going to criticize Back to the Future for being not good, that's the thing you can criticize is the end of the third movie. But as the end of the trilogy of films, it is perfect. And it sums up what these movies are all about uh, and perfectly ties together future and past and present in the fact that he's in a train and it's flying and he's in the present day. Like, like it, it just does this perfect tie together of everything we've seen in the trilogy. And so I think a trilogy, the fact that it ends on three uh, if it ends well on those three, is part of what makes it so beautiful. Yeah. I think, for me, the big the big draw in a trilogy is I like good stories. I like, I like interesting stories, and I like getting attached to characters. And I'm okay following characters through a continued journey. I... I uh, I mean, even Ocean's 12, which I don't particularly enjoy as a movie, I enjoy the opportunity to explore characters again. So I like 
trilogies in that sense. And I don't think that we can definitively look at trilogies and say which like we can we I don't think we can say oh the first movie in a trilogy is almost always the best one you know the third one is almost always the worst one I think that I mean because I, I I don't think that that's particularly true I think that you find more variance yeah it's an easy thing to say but to actually when you start looking at the details it's so wrong yeah like I I would say that the Star Wars prequels Revenge of the Sith is the best of the prequel movies well, Toy Story 3 is maybe the best of the Toy Story movies. Yeah. The Bourne series, Bourne Ultimatum, is probably the best of that trilogy. Yeah, Lethal Weapon 2 might be the best of that trilogy. Yeah, I agree that it's it's not always the first, or the, and the third isn't always the worst. Yeah. So I, I, I like that we're telling more and more trilogies. What I don't like is that we're telling trilogies with the intent of telling trilogies. I think that that leads us to... Uh, avoid closure, avoid stories that have endings. And that's the part that I don't particularly enjoy. I like to know that my stories are going to end. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you li- and like to feel like the bad guy has been defeated and the good guy has won, right? Yeah, I you know, I like the end of Mission Impossible. Actually, the Mission Impossible movies are a good example where the movies end and you, you walk away from it with a feeling of finality. Mm-hmm. And they can continue to tell stories there or not. And maybe they're going to tell interesting stories, but they don't have to. We don't, we don't need that in order to feel satisfied. I'm trying I, to think. Oh yeah, go. Well, I'm trying to think of: Are there any trilogies that ended before uh, the sequel got, or the third movie got made? As in, they started this to make it into a trilogy, and then it just wasn't good enough, so they didn't make the third. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. No, I think because what happens is we make one, and then and then when we make the second one, we're making a second and a third. And if we aren't guaranteed a second and a third, then we just make a sequel. And then if that's good enough, we make another sequel. Like Pitch Perfect, I think, has been officially signed on to make a third film, which is great to me because those movies are so awesome. When the, uh, We'll talk about that someday. But, um, but Pitch Perfect was made, ends with complete finality. Pitch Perfect 2 was made, ends with complete finality, and then they're going to make Pitch Perfect 3, and it's going to end with complete finality because they they just they, they can get away with it. Same with like the Mighty Ducks movies. Each Mighty Ducks movie ends with they win the game, and it can, be, it can end there, or we can go on to do the Worlds, or we can go on to do College Hockey. That was the third one. <laughs> they misstepped on that one. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I am in agreement with what you're saying. I'm just trying to think that the closest examples that I could think of would be something like Kill Bill ended on volume two, but there was never, that was never going to be a trilogy. Yeah, never the intention. Like there's, there, yeah, they did kick ass one and two, but again, not a, not an intention of a trilogy necessarily. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think trilogies are great, man. Yeah, I think I I think so too. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy them, and I hope to continue enjoying them. Although, as we were talking about prior, you know, we're starting to get into a new mode of storytelling anyway, where we move away from sequels and probably trilogies into this expanded universe for for storytelling. So, like with the Marvel movies and what it seems like they plan to do with the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Yeah. So it may be that trilogies are a an art that we saw a lot of for a 20 25 year period but they're they're going to go away in favor of these broader yeah. storytelling universes which is sad cuz you know good things come in 3 the pattern of 3 is such a a beautiful pattern and like uh, in comedy and storytelling and everything is that you do it once it's just one thing. You do it a second time, maybe it's just a coincidence that it happened again. And then you do it a third time, and that's where you kind of change it and get that punchline in. Uh, Back to the Future being a perfect example of that sort of model of Back to the Future, boom, here it is. Back to the Future 2, hey, guess what? We're basically going to do the exact same thing again uh, to the point that we're going to show you some of the other story while you're watching it. And then Back to the Future 3, holy, we're going to twist this on you and switch everything and switch the characters uh, like uh, rotate their roles and put it in a totally different setting, and every joke that you're expecting is going to be flipped on its head. Uh, and it's a, uh, it's it's great. It's a wonderful wonderful way of using three 
to help you tell a story. Yeah, and I, and I, I think you're right. I think that if it's something that we start to lose in favor of grander grander universes, I think we're we're going to lose an important way of telling stories. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, I think there's been a wonderful episode of The Style Guide. Uh, if you enjoy it, uh, go to styleguide.ca. Check out the show notes there where we'll have notes of all the things we've been discussing as well as somewhere you can send uh, Steve and I angry email about how much you disagree with what we've been saying. Can't wait to hear it. And uh, with that, thank you very much. And have a good rest of your day. Bye, Steve. Bye-bye.